Um, The reading today is Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20, and can be found on page 983 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen now. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Ailish. Um, lovely to hear an Irish accent on um, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I'm not making any comments about the rugby. I really am not. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning to see who you are. Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God, and give us the confidence to live our lives this week and uh, for the rest of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it has been a big week, big week uh, and uh, I know that um, uh, we, we, we heard that this morning as we were starting our service, and uh, uh, a big week, yes, in sport and uh, also in politics, but also around the world, and it's been, um, it's been quite something, isn't it, um, uh, a shocking uh, events in New Zealand as well. But um, th- this is a big passage, and I, I'm praying and trusting that um, the, the two sort of uh, revelations here uh, in this passage will uh, give you the power and strength to live your life uh, for God this, this week. There are two great questions, who Jesus is and, uh, and, and who Peter, and by extension, who we are. Those two things, and those two things are bound together, they're linked together. Um, uh, so as to see, so who, when you see who Jesus is, then you can begin to see who you are. And so I want us to think about that, and, um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to require um, some thinking, and then it's going to require some kind of reflective feeling, as it were, as we, as we uh, address this. So um, again, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, open our eyes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So firstly, uh, the, the two great points, um, and then a kind of comment at the end. Uh, The disclosure of Jesus, uh, first of all. Uh, Just find yourself in in Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus asks this question, where he asks it is important. Uh, And uh, and the place he asks it is uh, in Caesarea Philippi. He he was speaking... uh, Earlier in, in the chapter, he comes back into Israel and he meets the Pharisees and the Sadducees and uh, they, 
they're kind of toxic, really, in their disbelief. And so he goes north to Caesarea Philippi. And I'm just going to run over uh, my points. There is Caesarea Philippi. Um, it, it was a former uh, worship site for Baal. And then it got taken over um, and, uh, and it became a worship site for Pan. And you can see there the alcoves where they would put um, the gods. And I, this is not, this could have been uh, one of my own photos. Uh, we've stood there um, and, um, and seen it. And also you can see the ruins of a temple that was dedicated to Caesar. Hence the name Caesarea Philippi. So it was a place um, of the gods, as it were. And so it's quite an interesting thing, isn't it, that Jesus... I mean, I, I, this is my creative imagination, but Jesus standing in front of all this and saying, and so who do you think I am, or who do people say that I am? It's quite interesting, isn't it, in that, in that way. And so there are a number of answers, and uh, you've just seen some of them there. Um, uh, here is the first answer. He says, who do people say that I am? And uh, here's the human answer that, that comes up. Now, I said he'd been dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And look back to chapter 16, verse 1. They come to him asking for a sign. And you'd have thought that Jesus had done enough, in all honesty. But they say, give us a sign. <laughs> give us a sign. And Jesus sees that that's the kind of mentality that you sometimes get when you're talking about Christianity with people. And they say, well, prove it. And you say, well, you know, there's all this evidence. I know, but give us more, give us more. And you have a sense that actually nothing will ever be enough. Nothing will ever be. Because actually to believe the truth of the gospel is, is going to be too life-changing. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees are, are kind of... And they're an interesting group, by the way, aren't they? Sadducees, Pharisees, they, they never got on. But they combined together um, against Jesus. And, and they kind of spread this, what we call a toxic cynicism. And, and Jesus warns his disciples about this toxic cynicism in the, in the next story in chapter 16, um, the, where, where he feeds, after he's fed the 4,000, they get into a boat. Uh, sorry, he, no, sorry, they, after he's the demand for a sign. They get into a boat, uh, they forget to take bread, and Jesus warns them about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And now a little yeast spreads a long way. It, it has a, just need a little yeast to affect uh, the lump, uh, as it were. And he warns them, he says, look, uh, be, be careful of this. This is a sort of a, 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 a dis, you know, this, this is a toxic thing that will, will, will stop you from believing. And I think it's spread into the crowds because the crowds have this toxic disbelief, but they also have um, the evidence of the, of the miracles that Jesus has done. So they say, well, he, so, yeah, he's, but he's something, isn't he? So they kind of come to a pragmatic solution, human wisdom. They come to a pragmatic solution and they say, well, he's a good man. <laughs> he's a, definitely a good man. He's a... He's a great man. He, he, he could even be John the Baptist risen from the dead. He, he could be uh, Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. You know, he certainly he's up there. I want you to imagine there's a big dartboard and it's over this side. And underneath the dartboard says, great man. And uh, they're, they're picking up a dart and they're just going, well, you know, it's one of those. He's, he's a great man. Worthy of respect. 
but not worthy of worship. See? How many people are in our churches, you know, respect Jesus, but don't worship him? Oh, yes, no, he's a, he's, he's a good man. But, of course, it doesn't touch you at all, does it? So, Jesus asked the question again, now, who do you say that I am looking at them all? And this is the moment where Peter comes up with, with the divine revelation. He says, I, he's speaking for the other disciples. Simon Peter answered, you, verse 16, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now that's an astonishing statement. I, I, I'm not sure if he understood everything he said. But it's as if he says, you're not on that dartboard. <laughs> you're over here. You're on Messiah, King, the promised one. You're the one. <laughs> Son of the living God. You're on that dartboard over there. You're on a completely different level. And, uh, uh, and, and Jesus says, Simon, sorry, I, it, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Human wisdom didn't give you that. God gave you that. And if you own Jesus Christ as the Son of God today, God gave you that. He opened your mind to see that. Only God can reveal God. Now, I find it fascinating that, that in order to come to this sort of thing, and you know, you were longing for some of your um, family and friends to, to see this. And, and, and you know, all the explaining that you try and do doesn't seem to get through, does it? And, and it, need, it does need a miracle. And that's why we need to pray for miracles. But... Um, what Jesus does to help them is that they spend time with him and listening to his teaching. So if anybody wants to know, it's the best place to come is here or, or to a Christianity Explored group or something like that. And he, he takes them out of the, the cynical atmosphere. He takes them away from the cynicism that's around Jerusalem and, and, there, and he takes them far north over to Caesarea Philippi, um, a place that you know, it's almost as if they're on holiday. Sometimes people find the Lord on holiday, don't they? <laughs> and, and he says, now look in front of this lot. Who am I? Oh, I see. You're the son of the living God. But it needs a miracle. And uh, as I said, if, if you are a Christian today, uh, in the words of Van Morrison, <laughs> the immortal words of Van Morrison, God has shined his light on you. What a great song that is, by the way. Um, only God can reveal God. And uh, that is, that's, that's why we gather here today. Because even though we are Christians, the cynicism of the world still creeps in on us, doesn't it? It still sort of narrows our vision. I, I've got a book on my shelf that says, when people are big, God is small. And, 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 and that vision gets too small, uh, then... then we, we lose this extraordinary perspective. We don't respect Jesus. We worship him, which obviously leads to awe and respect, of course. But we worship him. We, um, and for all that we have to deal with in our lives, he needs to be big in our lives. He needs to be that son of God. And respect won't grow churches, it won't plant churches, worship will.
People who worship Jesus will go and plant church, will go and be missionaries, will go and do all sorts of things. Lives will change. So, it's a good question to ask yourself. Who do you say Jesus is? And, and is, that, is that vision being cramped? Because it's a big vision. So, we need to get Jesus right before he is the worshipped son of God in front of all of those gods. And that leads to the discovery of ourselves. And here again, I'm going to ask you to think before um, you, we, we, we feel it, as it were. Um, I want you to see that, as, as I've said before, as soon as Peter says, I know who you are, Jesus replies, I know who you are. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? So, Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. You called me son of God. Okay, now you're, you're Simon, son of Jonah. And, and, God has, and, and the Father has revealed, my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, not flesh and blood. Okay, you've got that. But now I'll tell you your name. You, you've got a new name. It's Peter. Petros in Greek. Uh, and, uh, and on this rock, Petra. I will build my church. But you are, you are the rock. And this is, where, this is where you and I now come into the picture. And on this rock, I will build my church. And now you're in the picture. And, 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 and I want you to think about this building a church, not brick buildings now. And don't think of yourself as a static brick no, that is, it's, not, it's, it's not helpful in all sorts of ways just to think of yourself as a static brick. Um, think of yourself as someone um, in whom Jesus is building alongside all the others that Jesus is building, both here and in Manchester and in the UK and across the world. Uh, you are not a static brick. It's an organic thing. And you're part of it. And you are being built up as we are all being built up to be his church. So this is where we come in. But in order to understand then who we are, we're, we're built upon this rock. So now I've got to deal with that. So um, we are the church he is building, and the rock is our foundation. Now, who is or what is the rock? And I've got to tell you that loads of ink has been spilled about this. Uh, you know, the whole Catholic-Protestant debate and all of that. So it's just, it, I read it all, and just to prepare for this sermon. Well, I read a very good summary, though. Which is, uh, there you are. Uh, there's only so much you can do in a week. And the rock is, surprise, Peter. Can't really get away from that. The rock is Peter. Um, but not the Catholic teacher teaching of, of Peter and his successors. Um, so, so we're not going down that route. No, uh, Peter is the rock. And, uh, and what Jesus is saying is that Peter is the first to believe. He's the first among the equals of the apostles. And uh, he preaches the first sermon. And so he's sort of laying a foundation 
Now, this is all very complicated because you look in other bits of the Bible and you see that Jesus is the cornerstone. But here, Peter's the, corn, Peter's the foundation stone. Uh, but just work with what it says in, in Matthew for the moment. Um, so, so Peter's he, he's sort of leading, uh, as it were, he's the first of the apostles. He preaches the first sermon. He holds fast in prison. He holds out for who Jesus is. Um, there is no other way by which we must be saved, he says about the Lord Jesus. Um, and then uh, he's the one who enables the Gentiles to come in. He helps the Gentiles to come into the church. So in that sense, he is, um, he's, he's Peter. He's the rock. He's the foundation person. But it's not just Peter the person. A few verses later, Peter blows it and Jesus gives him another name and says, get behind me, Satan. It's not just Peter the person. It's Peter confessing Christ is the Son of God as revealed by the Father. <laughs> it's that Peter, the Peter who confesses the Messiah, the Son of the living God, as revealed by the Father in heaven. It's Peter as his, at his best and truest, on which Jesus says, I'll build my church on that. Or if I could put it like this, Jesus has found in Peter a real believer, and on that foundation, he could build his church. And that's the quote from Michael Green. Um, I'll say it again. Uh, Jesus has found in Peter a real believer. And on that foundation, he could build his church. Right. A lot of thinking. And so on that foundation, that is where you and I will be built up. And so this is where it moves from the thinking side into perhaps how you begin to feel and understand yourself. Um, to be your truest and best self, it, it's when your life is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, or you might want to say this book, uh, and uh, where you know and declare Jesus to be the Messiah, the King, the Son of the living God, that is when you are at your truest and best self in that position. And in that position, you are being built up. And in that, as, as, as you were, as it were, trusting on the, on, on, on the rock of the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which is what uh, Paul says later, uh, on that, as you confess Jesus and look to him, that is where you will be... Um, that was where you'd be blessed. Do you see that little word, blessed? Um, verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. And we had a sermon on the, on the Beatitudes, didn't we, um, a few weeks ago, where we said, that's the place of human flourishing. And I think what Jesus is saying is, is not only Simon, but also you and I, at our truest and best self, when we're, we're rooted in what God has said, and that is our perspective and not the cynicism of the world, and um, where we are confessing Christ, the Son of God, and looking to him, that is where we find the blessing and the flourishing. And I want to just stick on that for a moment. When Peter found out who Jesus really was, Peter found out who he really was. I find that interesting. Now, a number of us uh, may be feeling a little lost 
You're not quite sure who you are anymore. You're struggling with issues inside. And, and you know, you may not even be sure you're a Christian anymore. And, 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 and what you're doing is you're looking inwards. You're trying to sort of look inside and say, I don't know, who am I? Who am I? Or you're faced with intractable problems that you're trying to solve. And, and, and you're looking at the problem all the time. And you can't get over that problem. Or you're breathing the toxic, toxic cynicism of, of our society. And, and, and that's affecting you. And, and I want to say there is a better way. I'm going to go to a verse in the Old Testament that clarifies what I mean by looking at seeing who Jesus is helps you see who you are. And the verse in the Old Testament is Psalm 36, verse 9, and it's well worth jotting down in a note. With you is the fountain of life. And then this line. In your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. I, I, that was the best visual I could get, but I, I wish the first light was also in capitals as well. But anyway, in your light, we see light. What's that saying? Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of the last century, preached on this, and he said this. You don't need a candle to look at the sun. You see the sun by its own radiance. But then by it, you see everything else as well. We never see Jesus by the light of self. We see the self by the light of Jesus. If you see him clearly, you start to see yourself and your place in the world. Everything gets properly aligned, if I can put it that way. You can also see the dark recesses of your soul. And they get exposed to the light. Now, I'm not promising that you see everything so clearly that you can solve every problem. You can see the whole issue. But as we look to the Lord and as we look to his word, does not Psalm 119 say, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The picture there is, is that as, you, as you're looking to the Lord and his word, what you get is not a massive beam that shows you everything sometimes, but you do get a torch that helps you to go the next step, the next few days, the next day. And so what, I, what I'm suggesting by all of this is, is, that, is that the direction of your looking in struggling with all the things that you're struggling with has got to be, Lord, give me a bigger picture of you. Because when I've got that, I can see the rest of the world in perspective and my little place in it. Remember the story of Job? Remember the story of Job? Job was asking all these questions, all these problems and all these issues. And in the end, God turned up. Massive display of who God was. Remember, massive display of who God was. 
Job doesn't get a single answer to his questions, but he says, I've seen you now, so I'm okay. I love that, the last chapter of Job. Okay. So, put yourself on the rock of the apostolic teaching and the great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and and continue to ask God the Father to reveal the Son to you so that he remains large in your perspective. And you will be blessed. You will be the blessed people of God. Now, we've run out of time and we've got just about three minutes to do this last point. So I will, uh, and these are complicated verses, so here's a summary. Okay, here we go. It's my little way of getting out of explaining it to you in depth. (laughs) The last few verses, I tell you, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Um, And I... and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Those two bits. What does it mean? You have a great, we have a great security. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, sometimes people have explained this by saying that what we're to do as a church is to storm the gates of hell. Um, but I don't think that's what it means, having looked at it uh, quite a bit. Um, gates of Hades stands for death and dying. And really what it's saying is, is two, two things. It's that if you're my church and you're my people, then, then you won't die, ever die. He or she who believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. Okay, you won't die. But also, and more importantly, my church will not die. Nothing can kill my church off. Now, that's a massive statement, and only the Son of God can make that. Do you see? God's got to be big in your minds. But that's what he's saying. Now, the newspapers will tell you that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all going to be over. But now he's saying the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. There's a wonderful security in that. Um, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed reading a little bit about the Huguenots, this awful massacre in 1597, and and one of their great leaders was Theodore Beza, and I've quoted this statement before, but he said to the king of France um, about the church that the church is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. Just think about that. <laughs> it's an anvil that has worn out many hammers. But there's also great responsibility. I have given you, he says, I, uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does that mean? Okay, I've got one minute left to explain that to you. The best way of reading this um, is to read, first of all, the footnotes. Now, I think, yes, they're there. Um, so the first best way of reading those will, have been, uh, will be bound is to read, the, read it as if it were the footnotes. Will have been bound will have been loosed. It's not that whatever decision we make, heaven has to ratify. It's not that. So that's a little clue to helping you understand these verses. The second clue is, is that binding and loosing were common terms in uh, Jesus' day. Uh, two rabbis would use them, one a bit stricter, one a bit looser, as it were. Um, so that's a common, uh, a common uh, usage. Think then of keys. Here's the next thing to think about. I'm sorry giving you this fast. What do keys do? They open and unlock doors. 
this kind of sounds like a little Harry Potterish, really. You know, the keys of the kingdom. And what is the key? I think the key is the gospel message. So here, in summary, is what I think this is saying. And I think this is our responsibility. We have this gospel message. It's the key to the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom, as it were. And, and, and when we as a church put this gospel out to our city, it seems to open the kingdom to some people, but it seems to shut it to others. They, they can't bear to hear it. Now, that's not the end of the story with these others, I know, but, but can you see it's a big responsibility to have these keys. And it can feel as if sometimes you're, you're swimming against the tide. Um, I always enjoy the Poseidon adventure. Um, in it, I think it's a rebellious preacher. Do you know it's the one where the boat's turned upside down, ocean-going liner? And I think it's the preacher who says, you know, the way out is to the engine. And most people go, no, 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 it isn't. No, no. It is. That's the way out. And um, as he declares the way out, do you see the doors are open to some, as it were, but closed to others as they don't take it. That's the responsibility. That's why whenever we talk about the Christian message, we must pray with people. But with all the issues that we have, I think what Jesus is saying to us here is, look, church, um, in my light you will see light. You will see your, um, your situation in a better way, but I have given you a task, and it is a task to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and seek that first. Let, let me and my mission be, be, be big for you, and seek and put, invest in that. And all these other things will be yours as well. I'll sort those out, but seek first my kingdom. And then you will see me at work in and through your life. And despite all the things that you have to deal with, let me be large in your life and, and, and my kingdom large in your life. For as you see me at work, then you'll be given greater faith to, to deal with the issues that you have to deal with. There's a child who was four years old, was asked to do a jigsaw of the world and or no five years old i can't remember five or six or whatever. anyway six years old let's say it's a bit, bit, bit better they couldn't do it but apparently on the back of the jigsaw the child had known that there was a there was a drawing of a person and so the child sort of turned it over and 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 uh, managed to do it sort of as it were upside down uh, and then and then that helped them to to, to do the jigsaw and um he was asked by his parents, how did you do it? And he said, well, I got the person right on the other side of the jigsaw, and then I got the world right. Now, it's not a brilliant illustration, because you're wondering how on earth did he manage to turn over the jigsaw, as I was, as I was telling you the story. But <laughs> the point, nevertheless, is true. <laughs> get the person right, and you get the world right. You get yourself right. You understand yourself. Live for him, and you will see God at work in the world. Pray that God will continue to open your mind to see who Jesus really is. Not as one to respect, but as one to worship. And as he grows in your mind, in his light, you will see light. 
for all your circumstances. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, be large in our minds, we pray. Show us who you are. And the more we see you, then the more our situation gains perspective. And the more we serve you to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, then the more we can see you at work in our lives, in the day-to-day, and find joy in that. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.